This is Adam Gorney with the Respect My Decision podcast. Uh, comes out every week. Hopefully you're joining it and signing up and listening. Joined today by Ryan Young, who has been on the road and and seriously, a serious road trip here for him over the last, I don't know, 10 days, week? Uh, how long has it been? And then uh, we will get into that and then we'll talk Pac-12 realignment. But first, what's the road like out there? Well, first, Adam, I'm honored to be here. You've had such prestigious guests on the show Matt Liner, Lee Steinberg, now me. What happened this week? It's fallen off pretty fast, huh? Yeah, it has. Yeah. It has. Uh, yeah, essentially every time this year I go out to Texas for a week or two just to bounce around to see all of uh, our USC and Pac-12 targets coming off those official visits in June. Um, this is kind of the point of the recruiting process when guys stop answering the phone, stop responding to DMs, and I totally get it. If I was going through it, I would be the exact same way. So it's just valuable to get out there, bounce around, and uh, – connect with guys who just had all these uh, impactful, pivotal visits. And so I was everywhere from San Antonio to Wichita Falls to Tulsa, just up and down Texas all over. So it's good. Does it get lonely out there on the road in New Mexico at, late at night when you're trying to find a hotel? Everything in New Mexico is lonely. That's, that should be like the, the state slogan. Um, but uh, otherwise, Texas was very fun. But yes, getting back across New Mexico is, is always the bear of the journey. Uh, you know, I stopped in Flagstaff. That's a good town in Arizona. But that New Mexico stretch is definitely uh, the test of, uh, of wills. Yeah, I've, dri I've driven to Phoenix once or twice in my life. It makes me want to just fly for 45 minutes. It'd be, <laughs> it's far more pleasant. But let's talk what, what we're here to talk about today is Pac-12 realignment and what's going on. And if there is even going to be a Pac-12 moving forward, how, how that yeah. is going to work. Let's start with USC and UCLA. Going to the Big Ten your level of interest in that, excitement, surprise, how would you describe that and what's going on there? For both uh, the interest and surprise, it's kind of conflicting responses. In the moment, definitely surprised last Thursday. No one was expecting that. Uh, I certainly wasn't. I was sitting in a Starbucks in who knows where, Texas. And uh, you see the tweets start coming and then for it to be official within a few hours. It's just impressive how they kept this so under wraps. So major surprise when it happened, but then you process it and not surprised by the move at all. Uh, it's it's very proactive by USC to kind of sense where college football is going. We're going to have these two super conferences. If that is really the fate we're going to after the Oklahoma, Texas move last year announcement, if, if that's what that was signaling, then get on the train now or, or be passed by. Now, I think USC would have always found its way into one of those uh, remaining important conferences, but to uh, to jump in early proactively, maybe have some leverage over, over certain things, I thought it was very smart by USC. I'm not surprised at all they did it, just surprised by the timing. Let's talk little conspiracy here. Does – is there any way Lincoln Riley could have had an understanding or a concept that this would have happened, been told that, had an, any sense that this was going to happen? And, and secondly, do you think he's excited about it or do you think that he might not be so thrilled about it? I would tend to believe that this has been in the works in some regard for quite a while. Uh, I, I felt that USC's really always been coy about Pac-12 stuff for the last couple of years. Um, whenever we asked about the new commissioner and and kind of uh, the direction of the conference, I, I don't. It was it was always I just felt like the answers were a little removed. I wouldn't be surprised if this was 
in the works since Oklahoma, Texas, even if that was just from a USC standpoint and saying, do we need to consider our options? So in that Lincoln Riley courtship, even though it happened very quickly, I have to imagine they would have wanted to be up front with him about that and say, listen, we don't know what's going to happen, but we are feeling this out. It could go this way. It could go that way. That's just my pulse on it, my opinion. I don't, I don't know that, but I would be really surprised if kind of the way they treated him through that courtship, if they would, uh, feel comfortable kind of shocking him six months into it in, in terms of whether he likes it or not. I, I, I think if you're a competitive guy and you want to compete for national championships and if the sport is going to move, if we're going to get the two 20 or 22 team super conferences. You want to be in one of those. It's not the same as back in the day when there's five power conferences and maybe being in, in the weaker pac 12 is a, is a easier route to the postseason than being in the sec West. Um, if there's only going to be, really the spotlight shining in two places. You want to be one of those places. So I'm sure uh, given what he wants to accomplish here, he's probably okay with that. Yeah. Uh, it seems to make the route harder. Um, two super conferences or possibly even three, however they break that out, um, seems to make the route harder for pretty much every team. I mean, yeah. you know, you can win the Pac-12 at 11-1 and, and and make an argument or 12-1 and one and make an argument to get in and – Notre Dame is down or however that works out, or if they're not going to take two from the SEC, then you can make an argument. But now, you know, you're facing Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, Wisconsin, Iowa. And it's not like those teams can't be beaten, but you're also facing many of those in extremely cold and very windy situations where out here in California, in the middle of winter, it's like the, you know, early fall in the Northeast, you know, they're not used to playing in that. You know, I used to, I, I used to watch teams from Florida go North and play and really kind of shut down in, in cold weather games. I don't, you know, USC goes to Notre Dame every other year and sometimes it's cold, sometimes it's not, but we're talking about Iowa in mid November when it's six degrees or, you know, I don't even know if they, if USC has those big winter jackets that they wear in the big 10 and, it, it kind of takes away what USC or what USC is going to look like under Lincoln Riley, at least throwing the ball around a lot, spreading people out, using their speed, all those kinds of things. Can't really do that when there's snow flurries or the winds blowing 40 miles an hour. And so I think that's going to make things a whole lot more interesting in terms of the big 10. It makes sense, right? Cause what they wanted was the LA media market. Mm -hmm. um, is that kind of why they did this? Is that, really the sense that you have behind it? Yeah, I think it's twofold. I, th I think it's to not let the SEC pull away from them, from the, from the Big Ten. And, I mean, either way, they were still clearly the number two conference in the country. That that wasn't in jeopardy or in, in contest. But to really solidify that stature, and if, if they're going to pull away, we're going to pull away with them. Uh, mm -hmm. I think that was the main motivation. So if you're going to add, where do you add? You want to add somewhere where it's going to help you. When they have their massive TV contract and that money is being split as it is across those schools – you can't bring in a school that's going to take from that pot and lower the disbursement for everybody else. So you want to bring yeah. in somebody who's going to add to the overall pot. So uh, they're now involved and everyone's getting more money. And certainly the LA market is, is the place to start with that. I, I just can't imagine it stops here though. I mean, do they really want to have USC and UCLA on an Island uh, yeah. out there? It just makes sense that eventually an Oregon and a Washington, or maybe it may, maybe even a Cal and Stanford who are academically aligned with the big 10, uh, that there are some partners out West for USC. I just can't imagine it stops here. Uh, I just think we're not going to know for, for quite a while. And they have two years to work with here to kind of get it set up. 
Over July 4th, I had a long conversation with my father-in-law about this, and there's nothing more fun than having a few days off and talking about work. But, um, you know, and, and, you know, a lot of the talk has been, you know, does anybody care about UCLA at Minnesota? Or does anyone care about, you know, Rutgers coming out to USC or whatever it was? And I was like, well, did anyone really care about USC going to Oregon State or Washington State coming yeah. to play at UCLA? Like, the, there are still those matchups that will be incredibly interesting. Like, when Oregon went to Ohio State last year and won, I think that that helped Pac-12, you know, the, the reputation of the conference, even if it was only one game. But I also think it's going to be very interesting to see some of those matchups. But what where does this leave the rest of the conference? Because now, you know, and, and this is being taped on Wednesday afternoon by Thursday morning when this is released, it could be completely different. Of course. But there are rumors of of the Big 12 going after six schools in the Pac-12. There's rumors that the Big Ten is waiting for Notre Dame's decision mm -hmm. um, and then possibly going after Oregon and Washington, possibly Stanford and Cal go there. Where does this leave the Pac-12? Is this is there like this possibility that the conference can disintegrate or because of, you know, everything that goes into it, that they're just going to start adding teams from the lower conferences to, to still have a semblance of, of a conference? I don't see that leather option happening. Pac-12 has been so protective of their identity and, and and the academic standards of their universities. Are they going to just take on the Nevada all of a sudden? And that's no yeah. knock on Nevada. I really don't know what their academic uh, stature is, but I, I don't think they're going to go so far outside their comfort zone. And then you're just diminishing an already small Pac-12 media pot by adding in these other teams that aren't bringing anything to the table. So that, that's yeah. not a viable route to me. Uh, it really seems like, uh, I mean, just a lot of stress and panic for, for schools throughout the conference, but it's, it's kind of a domino effect. It kind of starts with Oregon and Washington. If they stay, you can build around that. You can build around Oregon as a team that's been pretty nationally relevant uh, for a while now. If those teams leave, I don't think you can rally the Pac-12. I think at that point, you're going to see the, the rest of the conference flee to the, the Big 12's offer etc so it's a domino of what happens with, with the top of the rest of the conference right now and for oregon and washington the big if the reports are true the big 10 is not going to act on them anytime soon they're, they're not interested right now they're waiting on notre dame so now if you're oregon and washington are you patient do you wait and hope that maybe after the big 10 sorts out notre dame and they come back around and, and they say if if the big 10 sec are both going to add to 20 or 22 oregon's definitely one of the best options to fill out another eight or 10 teams in those conferences. Do you wait around and hope for that? Or do you fear, okay, if we don't leave now for the big 12, we're going to be, be stuck here in a diminished conference. Uh, I think ultimately they probably stay put for now and stay committed to the PAC 12. If George Klyavkov can put together a compelling plan and uh, in, in, in intermediary, but you've got to be stressed and panicked if you're those schools. And I, I never answered your first question earlier about the interest level. And you, you touched on it with, you know, Rutgers, UCLA, or those kind of matchups. There's two ways to look at this whole thing as a college football fan. Remove it from covering USC or any of these schools. From a macro level, big picture, I don't like it because uh, so much about college football is the tradition. And and mm -hmm. during the pandemic season, there was so much made about USC not playing Cal and Stanford for the first time in, in 100 years, whatever it was. Um, and now we're just all of a sudden, everyone's just like, well, that's, that's the end of that. 
Uh, and also just the fact that when there, there were five power conferences encompassing, what is it, 60, 70, whatever teams, all those teams feel like they're a part of this. And that's, that's going to shrink demonstrably. And if you're at a school that forever has been uh, a part of the pie and now you're on the outside, it's just it's, it affects a lot of people in the game. Now, so, so I don't like all that. But on a, on a narrower lens, when we get to the fall in 2024 and you have midseason USC playing Michigan and Ohio State and Oklahoma playing Alabama and Texas playing LSU, those are the games that we would wait around and hope that we would get one of those from those teams each year. Or maybe every couple of years they would play one of those games. Now we're going to have multiple uh, of those each year. So I think the people who maybe don't like it right now are going to have a hard time resisting when fall 2024 comes around, those games are, are in their face in October, November. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, from a college, you know, I've been a college football fan my entire life. Um, you know, I went to Penn state games as a kid, like a five-year-old, six-year-old kid. And remember, remember all of those things when Penn state wasn't even in um, a conference, you know, I was a teenager when they joined the big 10. And I remember people in Pennsylvania being outraged about it because they thought they were going to get screwed over by the big 10 officials. And they still feel that way in a lot of ways. And, I think that might be some of the resistance from Notre Dame in terms, obviously it's money, it's TV contract, it's NBC, all those kinds of things. But it's also that, you know, that tradition and not having to go to play Ohio State to make the college football playoff. I think that has to be part of the calculus for them too. But like, and like you said, a lot of it is tradition. But when I'm thinking about what, you know, I don't know if we get to two super conferences because I just don't know how that would work in terms of teams because the Big 12 is trying everything humanly possible to, to collect as many teams as they can. Um, but I don't even know if they would count in terms of who the team, who they would take toward the playoff. It's obviously strange to have five power conferences and four spots in a playoff. That seems strange to me. And then Notre Dame doesn't have to win a conference to go to play in the playoff. That seems odd. Then if Cincinnati is determined to be good enough, they get in. If they're not, they don't. Those kinds of things. It all seems kind of quirky to me. But I do get excited about like, man, Alabama is going to be in Austin playing. You know, yeah. uh, they're going to be in Norman, Oklahoma playing. And, and I think any Oklahoma fan who's like, you know, we, maybe we weren't crazy about the Big 12, but that's what I took my son to games for and that that's the history and the tradition here might forget that when they don't have to get tickets to the Kansas game and they're getting tickets to when Texas A&M comes to town. I mean, that is going to be really cool to see. Maybe not for Oklahoma every year, but it'll be a great game to, <laughs> to, to see every year. But uh, it is definitely, definitely changing. Where do you see the landscape in, and this is an impossible question, but 20, the fall of 2024, when all of this is supposed to really kind of go down, is there a Pac-12? Is there a Big 12? Is there some sort of alliance or however they want to frame it between the ACC, the Big 12, and the Pac-12 to have three super conferences? How does this, how would you kind of envision this working out? I, I do think we're going to have two super conferences. And because even if the Big 12 adds another 10 teams, they don't have the marquee brands. It's, yeah. it's not a numbers game. It's not we have we have as many teams as the SEC has. You got to have the brands, and all the brands have been scooped up for the most part, except for Oregon, except for the ACC teams, which are stuck in their in their grants of rights contract through twenty thirty six. We don't even we don't even know if, if Clemson or Florida State could get out, or yeah. if it cost, cost them two hundred million dollars to get out. But that's worth it to them. That, that's the big unknown right there. Because if you're going to consolidate the two 
super conferences, those teams have to be in it, obviously, because they're that relevant. So there's a lot of questions, but I think we get the two. Um, the alliance makes a lot of sense, the Pac-12 ACC alliance. If you're marketing the ESPN for a TV contract and you say, we have all these markets across the East and West Coast in one package for you, that's a very sellable commodity to offer. Uh, that's why it makes sense. Uh, although the term alliance should probably be uh, retired for a little bit after uh, the failed Big 12, ACC, Pac-12, whoever was in it. All, all right. Them. Yeah. Um, but I think we have two super conferences. I think we have, I think it's 20, 22 teams. And I think we have the rest of college football. That's no longer in the same spotlight that maybe there's a way in the playoff for the best team of, of the rest to find a way in still. But I think the two super conferences are going to take control of the college football playoff. And I mean, you already had the SEC suggesting that they should have their own playoff to begin with. So if you have those the Big Ten SEC together join forces in kind of controlling the college football playoff, I think that's where it goes. And I think there will be schools that are just left in the dust, unfortunately, that that were part of the uh, the national scope before and, and no longer are. That's just where it's going. And that's the next question. And and yes, coaches always talk about it, you know, it's not a failure if we don't make the playoff. And there's plenty of bowl games out there that are very interesting, and we've we found success. But really. You know, these coaches are making now in the $10 million range every year at the highest levels. And so expectations from alumni, especially expectations from alumni that are joining collectives for NIL deals, putting their own money behind this, not just to name a building or a facility, but to essentially, and if you want to call it this or not, to buy players to come to your program or to at least give them contracts to come to your program. Uh are going to expect these teams making the playoff. And the question is, does it really even change who the teams will be that are competing for these playoff spots anyway? Does it really even matter what the conferences look like? Well, does it matter that Alabama has to play, you know, however their schedule is set up, you know, they're still not just going to be playing Oklahoma and Texas and AM and LSU every single weekend. And they'll still probably have the same record or better than any other team. So is it still really Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Clemson, you know, throw in, you know, possibly Michigan if they can stay at that level, Texas AM emerging, USC now kind of joining the picture. Is it really just the same teams, but with an entirely different structure? It's a great point. I, I do think it is going to be the exact same teams when we get to the end, end of the season talk. It's really just the periphery is changing from being uh, on the periphery from the very start of the season versus being there as the season moves along and, and the yeah. CFP rankings come out. But, yeah, in the end, uh, you're not going to change the, who the best programs are in the country. That, that takes years and years to change. Uh, it's a great point to raise. And I, I think if we get to the point of the super conferences, you will have room for a three – maybe a four loss team to get into that playoff. Uh, if the yeah. strength of schedule is going to ramp up that much. Yeah, it, it is. It does make it interesting for the teams on the periphery, the teams that aren't in those super conferences. Let's say Oregon is one of those teams. You're telling me with all that Nike money and all those NIL deals and everything else that goes along with Oregon and their history of playing, you know, in, in the playoff or in the nat for the, or in the BCS or for the national championship or whatever it is, that they're somehow going to be left out if they go undefeated or Clemson. I mean, those those are the questions that we're going to have to tackle if those teams are left out of the super conferences. Do you take an undefeated Oregon or do you take a 
two loss Georgia. I mean, <laughs> or three loss Georgia, depending on schedule and how how all of that is figured out is going to be interesting. Final final point, and this is probably what we should have talked about the whole time, but this is too interesting of a topic, is recruiting and how this impacts recruiting. And the reason I bring this up is because I've talked to hundreds of kids that have gone to Colorado and Utah and Washington State and Oregon State and every other school in the country and said, at least I know that I'll come back home and play in front of my friends and family twice a year, or at least once a year, or they can get on a 40 minute flight and, and see me play. How, uh, uh, in terms of PAC 12 recruiting, how does this impact those kids? You know, USC is still going to get the kids. Maybe we'll even have more success recruiting in the Midwest because kids don't want to stay in the Midwest as much and would prefer to play in LA most times and then travel back. Um, but how do you think it affects kids in recruiting as they think of, you know what, if I leave LA, if I, if I, if I have an option to stay there, I'm going to stay there because at least I can play in front of friends and family instead of going to the other schools in the PAC 12, where that, that has now, that option is now gone. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, you know, I, the, the PAC 12 already had the problem of keeping the best talent out West in recent years. Yeah. It, was, it was already leaving for the Midwest and the SEC. And so that will only continue. Um, the, the kids who are going to Oregon State or Washington State, no offense, are not going to be on the radar for you know Michigan. Yeah. So it, it, their decision is the same. Uh, I do think it probably does help USC uh, because the big knock on the Pac-12 has been we're 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 a, a distant conference, then a list of national relevance. Uh, our games are at weird times. Uh, the East Coast doesn't talk about us. We're out of the spotlight. Those questions get answered now uh, to a large degree. And, you know, I was in Texas, like, like you said, for a week and a half. USC recruits Texas very heavily. I asked several kids there who were being recruited by USC, does it impact the way you look at USC? And they, to a man, they said, yeah, absolutely. Like to us, we don't know the Pac-12. Like USC is a brand. We don't know the Pac-12. So that's that's an obstacle for them. But if you have the USC brand in an area that that they're closer to in a, in a conference they know better, maybe USC's recruiting in Texas and, and other areas goes up. So I, I don't think we can uh, truly answer definitively just yet until we see the dominoes fall. But that's kind of how I come down on it. I was going to ask you the same question, though. If you hadn't asked me, I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Yeah, I think that it's going to help. I think kids will go to USC and UCLA if they can. Um if they can't, I do wonder that if they'll they'll take a shot on going to Wisconsin, Minnesota with PJ Fleck, maybe take a look at Penn State, uh, maybe take a look at Rutgers for NIL deals around New York City. Um, I think I think kids might be more open to that, knowing that they're going to come back to LA and play at least once a year. I would imagine, in terms, I, I don't know if they're going to one super conference or if they're going to still have divisions or how it's going to work. But I do think kids might be more open to that. It, it'll, it'll definitely be interesting to see. I, you know, I think a lot of the big 10 teams want to add speed and under the radar kids that, you know, USC can only take 25 UCLA can only take 25. There's still plenty of, of talent out here for the big 10 teams to have knowing that they're going to be, that they're going to be coming back. It, it is definitely interesting to see, but I, I do want to finish with what you said that, Pac-12 teams play at weird hours because former commissioner 
Larry Scott would take complete offense with that because he <laughs> says that it doesn't matter what time the games start. And if there's a, is a 7.45 p.m. Pacific kickoff, that that the numbers show that people don't uh, tune out at that. But talking to my friends in Pennsylvania who guarantee mm. me that they are absolutely not staying up for the second half of Oregon State at Washington State, uh, that is absolutely true. And, and it's certainly going to be interesting. Um with USC and UCLA. And, and some of the conversations I had about this was, does this mean, you know, USC won't play a game before 3.30 Eastern? Do they travel on Thursday now to get to Rutgers? I mean, we're talking sure. about cross-country trips. Yeah. And I don't, I believe it's every sport. So, you know, what are we talking about? Men's basketball teams flying from LA to, to New York City to Minneapolis back to LA in three days? I mean, all of those logistics are the things that people don't necessarily care about, but certainly have an impact. But it was a good conversation, Ryan. If you have anything else to add, here is your time. I do. I have a, a good anecdote to close with. But to your last point there, uh, the stuff about the, the smaller sports, the Olympic sports, is most fascinating. Well, not most fascinating, but it's fascinating to me because it is totally just irrelevant to the decision makers. This is all about football and money and no concern for the volleyball team that's going to go from USC to Rutgers for a, a midweek conference game. Uh, I have no idea how they, how they sort that out. Obviously, it is about money, so there's going to be plenty of money to cover those travel bills, but the toll on the athletes, I'll be curious if it takes a toll on recruiting in the, in the other sports, if, if kids are yeah. less likely to go to USC or UCLA, that they don't want to travel cross-country for every game. We'll see. Um, earlier in, in, the, in the show, you mentioned uh, the, does USC have those big jackets, you know, for the sideline over the shoulder pads. When I was covering Coastal Carolina uh, a decade ago now, they play the game at Stony Brook up in Long Island. And most of those kids were from the South and had never experienced snow or cold. And we got a freezing game, which is pelting snow. They had no coats. They had no sideline stuff. There were a half dozen kids who refused to come out of the locker room at halftime. They lost by like 55 points. It was just a, a total disaster. So uh, I'm pretty sure that Mike Bone at USC uh, has two years to uh, buy enough big coats for all of his guys on the sidelines, but it'll be interesting to see those games for sure. Yeah, with all the money they have, I don't think that um, I don't think that uh, coats are going to be the problem. And I just checked that I think USC and UCLA's wrestling teams are both clubs. So um, yeah. lucky them because going to Iowa or Penn State is going to be a rude, rude awakening <laughs> if they have to wrestle in the Big Ten here. Unfortunately, I found out this week that there's no beach volleyball teams in Iowa City. So the USC beach volleyball team is going to have to find different competition outside of the Big Ten. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. That is the Respect My Decision podcast. Uh, that is Ryan Young, and I am Adam Gorney.